So as you know, or you, if you might not, but if, you, if you've been following along, you'll know that we've been working through the whole Gospel of Luke uh, this year, and we're, we're getting there, nearly halfway there. Uh, so what, each week I open up the Bible as we're reading and see what's coming up, what's Jesus got to say with us today. And one of the things about reading the whole gospel is you don't get to skip over the bits that are a bit hard. So sometimes I open up and go, oh, this is a wonderful word of comfort and it's easy to talk about. And sometimes I open up and say, okay, you've got some hard words for us to, this week, Lord. So this is one of those weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about judgment today since that's the topic of our reading. So I wonder what you feel when we mention the topic or the word judgment. I suspect you think this is not something that I'm going to enjoy hearing about. Um, most of us have very negative associations, I, in my observation, with the idea of judgment. We don't like being judged by others, and we try to avoid that wherever possible. We don't want to be seen as a judgmental person. That's about the worst thing that you can be accused of being nowadays. And as we'll see later, I think that's actually a correct intuition. Christians are not supposed to be judgmental people. But I think we are, as followers of Jesus, supposed to be people of judgment. So, but in order to get to that conclusion today, I think we need to look at what Jesus says in this passage as he talks to us about this idea of judgment. Uh, In this part of Luke, in this middle section, as we've seen in recent weeks, Jesus is right in this middle of this period of teaching large groups of people, these crowds, and he's telling them about the kingdom and the God, the gospel. He's healing them. He's delivering them from demons as well. And at this point, he really wants as many people of his nation as possible to understand about the coming of the kingdom of God. And he wants them to accept God's work in their lives and and join him. But he knows that not everyone will accept what he's going to say, even so many of these people before him in the crowd who seem so keen on what he's saying at the time. The introductory statement from our reading, it comes as a woman in the crowd, she's getting excited, says, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus never, gave, never missed an opportunity to, for a teaching moment, so he says to her, no, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So he's thinking about those who are going to hear him and those who aren't. And then we have two different sets of teachings that I can read on the topic of judgment or what it means to hear the word of God and accept it and obey it. As I said, I think for us the word judgment in everyday language, it has very fairly negative connotations. It means, if I say oh, he's judging me, it means we are negatively assessing other people, condemning them and sometimes in an unpleasant and self-righteous way. But I think when Jesus talks about judgment, I think we should understand it in a more positive fashion. Because I believe that for Jesus, when we're talking about judgment, what it is, is that happens when things are seen for what they truly are. So judgment in the Bible is when things are seen for what they truly are. Uh, One of the difficult parts of life in our world is that so many things I think are ambiguous and confusing, aren't they? We don't know what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad, who's telling the truth and who's not. We're not, do, we're not sure whether we're doing the right thing or not. And I think at a deep level, judgment of this kind, to be seen, for things to be seen what they truly are, is something that we actually deeply crave, particularly in confusing times. We want to be truly judged. We want to be known for who we are. We want to know who we are. And we want to be able to know truly who other people are and the way that things should be in the world. We want judgment to be exercised. 
How many times do we actually want evil people to be seen for what they are and to be exposed? This is something that we actually want. And I think in the biblical sense, that is judgment. So judgment in the Bible, it's really another word for truth. When judgment, judgment is truth being seen. So Jesus is talking here about the way that people accept the truth about him, about the kingdom of God and about themselves. Do they see things the way they really are? And at the present moment in this teaching, he was unhappy with what he saw about that. People were following him, perhaps listening to him, perhaps even praising him like that woman, but they weren't seeing who he truly was and how they needed to change their lives. They weren't exercising judgment. They want a sign, he says. They want a sign that he's the Messiah, which means they'd like him to do something powerful for them that makes them feel good. But he says they're not going to get that sign. I mean, they've already had it, really. Lots of healings and things. But he says, you're not going to get that sign. You're going to get the sign of a judgment upon you and your character and and intentions. Um, A judgment that you could easily avoid if you would just listen. And I think this is the meaning of the reference that he gives to the sign of Jonah. He says, the only sign you will receive is the sign of Jonah. So you might be wondering as you read that what the sign of Jonah is because it's not explained. Um, What he actually meant by this phrase that this is the sign that you'll get is actually has two different answers depending on which gospel you're reading. Uh, So if you read the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke, there are two different explanations given, maybe different teaching times. Um, So just to think about Jonah though, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, uh, Jonah was a prophet. He was sent by God to a wicked city uh, called Nineveh in Assyria a powerful and rich and and wicked city, and he was calling them to repent. And you might know Jonah ran away on a ship to avoid doing that, and he was thrown overboard and spent three days in the belly of a big fish, meditating on his failure. And then he did go to Nineveh to preach to them and tell them about God's plan for them. In Matthew's Gospel, when he explains that Jesus says the sign of Jonah, he equates that with Jesus' own death and being in the ground for three days and then coming out. So the sign is the resurrection and the cross. But in Luke, it's clear that on this occasion, the teaching is he's saying the sign of Jonah is Jonah as a prophet who preaches about coming judgment. So to the Ninevites, Jonah himself was a sign from God a sign telling them to change their ways. So he used to go around running, run about yelling, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. They need, there was a sign they needed to change or reap the consequences of judgment in their lives. And the, and the people of Nineveh in that story did listen. They did change. Unlike the people in Jesus' day, he says, they, the Ninevites listen to Jonah, but you have a better prophet than Jonah in front of you and you're not listening to this sign. So that's what the sign of Jonah is. The other example that helps us to understand that is the example given of the uh, Queen of the South as well that Jesus mentions. So we know from, for instance, from Second Chronicles that this Queen of the South or the Queen of Sheba, she was drawn at the time to visit King Solomon because of his reputation of the wisdom that God had given him. And when she came and spoke to him, she praised God and she under- recognised God at work because she saw what was he was doing through Solomon. So... Jesus says this woman, the, the Queen of the South, had good judgment. She saw the truth. She saw things as they really were. Unlike the people of Jesus' day who can't see what's right in front of them. Someone more significant than Solomon, someone greater. They're lacking judgment, so that's the point. And the failure of judgment on the part of the people here is they can't see the truth that's right in front of them to see Jesus as he really is, and they can't accept that. And because of that, Jesus says, when the real judgment comes, when the day of judgment with capital letters comes on them, when everything and everyone is revealed for what they really are, 
they will find themselves revealed to be on the wrong side of that judgment. So that's the first bit. And he then moves on from this condemnation of their bad judgment to encouraging them now, it's time to take up good judgment in the future and learn to see what is true. And that's the discussion of light and its spiritual meaning in verses 33 to 36 of the passage. So he talks a lot about light. And I think the metaphor of light for judgment and for truth is, of course, it's a really obvious one. It's a really powerful one too. It's light, isn't it, that gives us the ability to see things as they really are. The better the light, the more clear that the image that we see. Without light, in darkness, we have no ability to see it all. We can't exercise judgment about what something looks like, what it is. We have no idea. So you might see there's constant reference in the Bible for God's people, encouraging them to be people of light, you know, to seek out true light so they can know the truth and they can live properly, to see things as they really are. So, for instance, Jesus explores this, explores this in verse 33. He says, when we turn on a lamp, we do that so we can see what's going on in our house at night. There would be no point in putting it, turning on a lamp and then putting it under a bowl. You would lose the light. And he turns that into a metaphor for this spiritual light inside of us. Imagine, he says, your eyes are like a lamp for your body. You may, not an outward lamp like you know, a beam, a torch, but a, a lamp that lets light in to your body inside. Our light sort of lets light inside our, inside our being. If we close our eyes or our eyes are not working properly, the light can't get in and light us up inside. It's like a lamp that has been put out. So I think these two pictures together, working together, they give us an encouragement about this place of light, of truth and judgment in our lives. He says we need to relate properly to the light outside of us that we receive, the truth that comes in. And we need to bring that inside ourselves as well, be lit up by the truth. We know that the, that real light that allows us to see it comes from an outside source like the sun and illuminates the world around us. And in the spiritual world for us, there is a light, a source of truth outside us that comes into us, which is, comes from God and it shines into the world. And God is often referenced in the Bible as a source of real light. So, for instance, in 1 Timothy 6, 15 to 16, Paul talks about God this way. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. So the ultimate light of reality, the ultimate truth, comes forward from, forth from God's presence like a light, so blinding that we can't see beyond it. It illuminates everything. And we're supposed to live in that light, the truth of God. And as the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, chapter nine, verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So I remind you again, we've been looking repeatedly at Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God in Luke. And what is the kingdom of God? Well, in Jesus' teaching, I believe the kingdom of God is God's presence in the world. It's the way, it's when God is there, is, is working around us to make things the way they should be. So he brings healing to people, he brings forgiveness, he brings justice, goodness into people's lives and grace. But another way perhaps to talk about the kingdom of God is to say that it's the light of God. It shines out onto creation and everything that accepts that light, everything that receives God's light becomes what it should truly be and what it's meant to be. It is judged and transformed. 
It's judged in the best possible way, and that judgment changes it for what it should be. And the tragedy of the people in Jesus' day was, he's saying, is this light is shining right in front of you, and you don't see it. God's light is like a lamp in your eyes. You're being judged by it. You should be judged healthily to be transformed, but you're not. And that brings us to the second point about the light inside us that Jesus says. It's possible, he says, that the eyes of our heart, or the, you know, our lamp, can be so unhealthy that we don't actually receive God's light into us. We can maintain a sphere of darkness inside us, resist God's presence and his kingdom. So what does that mean when we do that, if our eye is unhealthy? I think in that case, what Jesus is talking about is the times when we prefer or we choose to accept lies about God and ourselves rather than the truth to ignore what he's saying to us, to not understand the consequences of our choices, to be unaware of who we really are. We hurt each other because we don't know what we're doing. We don't accept light. We don't accept the truth. And it seems, as Jesus said, that we can be in that state and not even know it, in fact, to think that we're not. In verse 35, he says, See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. So it's possible to think falsely that, oh, I'm full of light, when actually you're full of darkness as well. I think that's perhaps what we do experience when we don't like judgmental people. Perhaps these are people who judge the world from a dark place rather than from God's light. They think they're light in them, but it's actually darkness. And so we don't truly see people for who they are, what we can be in God's grace. That's why I think judgment can be problematic if we don't do it from a place of light. So today, at the heart of our Bible reading, I think it's an encouragement for us to have good judgment in the best sense. And that means clearly to see the light, to accept Jesus for who he is as he's in front of us, and to allow him to illuminate our our minds and our hearts. We're called to set aside the dark thoughts, the confusions and the lies that make us unhealthy, and open ourselves up to the truth that will set us free and, and for Jesus to speak to us. We, need, we also need to let go of unkind and untrue judgment, the judgment of other people that breaks them down instead of lifting them up. That's not our concern. That's not real judgment. Real judgment is seeing things for what they really are. So, yes, judgment is a confronting idea, isn't it? But Jesus, I think, brings us a different kind of judgment. It's a real judgment. It's a truthful judgment. It transforms people when they receive it to see who we really are. And with that judgment comes grace and the ability to change. So I think we should welcome that judgment today because it's our hope. It's what we're praying for. I want to finish with these words of encouragement about judgment from the letter First John chapter 3 verses 2 to 3 where he speaks about what it means to know truly who we are in Jesus. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I'm going to invite you just for a minute just to sit in silence and reflect on that and invite God's light in to listen to him for the moment. Then we're going to sing a song asking God to open the eyes of our heart that we can see him as he really is. So just be, let's just be quiet for a moment as we pray together.
I ask, Lord Jesus, that your light would shine before us today as brightly as it did before those people who saw you in those times. We pray that we would see your light to accept it, to be changed and to be filled with that light inside. We pray for true judgment on ourselves, on our world and on each other. We pray for grace to make that judgment a transformative power. I pray that all of us would know who we really are and what we really will be in you. In Jesus' name, amen.